And I'm very excited because I'm gonna to talk to you about Change Your World. Um, this is a book, by the way, that's coming out that I've written. It'll be my 85th book that I've written. And, and, and that's really, when you think about it, that's really no big deal. You just have to be old. <laughs> I mean, think about it. If, you, if you're not old, you can't write 85 books. You have to be old. And so I qualify. And, and, but but it's, it's my 85th book, but it's the most important book because it's all about how you, can, how you can change the world around you. It really teaches us that instead of cursing the darkness, how to turn on the light. And, and I want you, to, and, and it'll come out at the end of January, so you can get it in bookstores or on Amazon or whatever, but if you wanna go and get it now, you can just go through that webpage right there and, and we'll send you one or a box of books, whatever you, whatever you want. But what's beautiful about it is this book, Change Your World, is a blueprint, it's a guideline, it's a map on how you can be salt and light in your community. And what, when you read it, it will teach you how to go online. And we have all of the Change Your World material that we use in what we call transformation tables. It's all absolutely free. It's absolutely free. And we've been doing this internationally for six years. Literally, we've had millions of people go through these transformation tables. We have, we're right now have 1.5 million kids just in Latin America alone that are doing transformation values tables in, in the public school, in the classrooms, not before, not after. I'm talking about in the classroom. And, we're, and, and teachers are telling us that within three weeks of these kids doing values, they can see the change in the lives of these kids. So, so if this is amazing. And, and because I live in a secular world, you have to start with something that they can handle. And, and everybody knows there's a values deficit. And, and, uh, but, but our whole purpose is, is to teach them values and, and help them live those values and then be able to share Christ with them. In, 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 that's our end game. And next year, our, our team, or this year, our team says that we'll probably see non-church people, people that don't go to church at all, We'll probably see between 160 and 170,000 people come to Christ just this year. And that's what's exciting. And, and, and thank you for being part of it. Thank you, Paul, Ashley, for all of you, for all that you've done. In fact, I was at a school in Charlotte recently, and uh, I was visiting the school because they had been teaching our values in the classroom. And so they wanted us to see a, you know, a, a prototype because we're getting ready to come to America with this. And... Um, and so I was visiting the school that day and I was, I was with some fourth graders and we were doing in a classroom a little bit of Q&A. And a fourth grader named Ethan raised his hand and, and I called on him and he looked at me and said, Mr. Maxwell, he said, do you ever feel that you want to make a difference in people's lives? And then he put his hand on his heart. I mean, this little fourth grader just puts his hand on his heart. He says, Mr. Maxwell, do you ever feel right down deep here, right here, Mr. Maxwell, that you want to make a difference in people's lives? Ethan's a fourth grader. And he already wants to make a difference. It's because you and I were created to make a difference. And my book, Change Your World, comes out now. But can I tell you something? The first Change Your World message and speech was given by Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. Look what he said. Let me tell you why you are here. People often come to me and they say, I wonder what God's purpose is for my life is. Well, it's right here. Jesus is gonna give you your purpose right now. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. In other words, Jesus said, you're here to be salt. Salt makes things better. 
In fact, he said, if you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. And then Jesus said, here's another way to put it. In other words, if you don't understand that you're to be salt, let me put it another way. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. And if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand, and now that I put you there on the hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. And by opening up to others, you'll prompt other people to open up with God, the generous Father in heaven. Isn't it interesting that that Jesus, in his intro into this world, as he began to teach as he lived here, his first message was the fact that you and I are to, to make a difference in people's lives, that, that we were to change the world in, in which we live. And if, when you look, look at the gospel, the strategy of changing the world is to, first of all, have your own life personally changed. Whenever we begin to go into a country and we come into countries, we have, we have countries, we have 22 countries where presidents of their countries have invited us in. Because they want values to be taught in the culture of their country. And, and, and when we go in there, the first thing we, we talk to the people about is that transformation begins in me. The, the first transformation doesn't begin in you. It begins in me. It starts with me. I, I become changed so that I can be a change agent for other people. You see, you cannot give what you do not have. And so therefore, it, it, it's, a, it's a personal transformation, and that's, and that's the gospel. That's what Jesus does in all of our lives. And we're to be change agents. But anybody that leads knows that, that it's difficult to be a change agent because people like to stay comfortable. They don't like to have change. I, I used to, as a leader, think that leaders like change and followers didn't like change. But I've come to the conclusion that's not true. Leaders don't like change either unless it's their idea. And then they're all about change. And the reason people are slow to change is because it's uncomfortable. They like to stay comfortable. One of the great things that COVID has done for us in 2020 is it has moved us out of our comfort zone. Every person's moved out of their comfort zone. In fact, I, I, I do a lot of virtual teaching. Tomorrow I will be in the studio for probably 10, 11 hours doing 13 different teachings for companies and organizations around the world. And, 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 and one of the teachings I've been doing quite a bit on is the fact that everything that you want and everything that you need, but you don't have it. You want it and you need it, but you don't have it. Everything you want or need, but you don't have, is outside of your comfort zone. That's the reason you and I don't have it. If it was inside our comfort zone, we'd already have it. It would already be ours. But the very fact that it's outside our comfort zone, it's kept us. And what happened? COVID knocked us out of the comfort zone. It, it, I mean, it, 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 you know, somebody says, get out of the box. There's no box. It blew it up. There's no fence now. All of a sudden, we're all out of our comfort zone, which is an incredible time to help people with change. So let me explain to you why people don't like to change, because they like to be comfortable. Just do me a favor. Everyone, if you just cross your arms like I am right now. Okay, good. Okay. Now, here's what I know. Everyone, if you're crossing your arms, and you have done this thousands of times. And guess what? Every time you cross your arms, you do it the same way. Every time. You see, there's another way to cross your arms, but you never cross your arms the other way. 
And if you do cross your arms the other way, it becomes very uncomfortable. Okay, let's go cross our arms the other way. You know what you're doing automatically? You're automatically going right back to the other way. I mean, you got. And you're saying, this is the way God intends it to be right here. This, it, it, it's, it's, just, it's, it's this way, sure. Clasp your hands. Now you see, you've done this thousands of times, so have I, and guess what? Every time we clasp our hands, we always clasp our hands the very same way. There's another way to clasp your hand, but you don't do it that way because it's uncomfortable. In fact, let's just practice it now. Let's just go one finger over and let's clasp our hand. Oh. I'm not even sure you could pray with your hands clasped like that. I, I'm not sure God, could God hear you? No, God, I don't think God could hear your prayers. Now, now God can hear your prayers. Now, now God can hear your prayers. Now what we've done is we've just given a simple exercise of the fact that we are all creatures of habit and we all want to be comfortable. So when I teach leaders around the world, and our nonprofit organization Equip is the largest training leadership training program in the world. We've trained five million leaders in every country of the world. And so when, when, we, when we train leaders, we, one of the things we help them understand, because they have to be change agents, is to understand the timing, the, the, the time when people are willing to get out of their comfort zone and change. And there are four times that people basically are open to change. And I give them to you very quickly. I'll speak about one of them a little later. People change, first of all, uh, when they hurt enough that they have to. In other words, there are a lot of times people, they just finally say, you know, I, I mean, I've, I've done counseling. You know, all of a sudden somebody says, my marriage is just, it's, um, I've got to make a change. My marriage is falling apart. And, and so the hurt of people causes them to make changes a, a lot of times. The second time people change is when they, when they have seen enough in others, they see enough that they're inspired to. In other words, they've seen a, a beautiful example of positive change and, and they say, I want that. Now, that's what we find in countries when we do transformation tables. All of a sudden, they begin to see people change, and that begins to create a movement of transition and change. Thirdly, people, they change when they learn enough that they want to. In other words, all of a sudden, it's like they never realized that they could have a better life, and, and, and they've learned something, and so they say, wow, I, I'm going for it. And finally, people change when they receive enough that they're, they're able to change. They, they receive resources and tools. The reason I wrote the book, Change Your World, is because it's going to be an enlightening time for people to be able to see things that will inspire them to change, and it'll be a resource that'll help them to, to make that change. Now, I want to talk about the first part, right, for just a moment, and that is hurting enough that, that they have to change. A year ago, if I would have been here at, at Victory, None of us would have had any idea how difficult a year 2020 would be. What, what we went through and what we saw, what we've experienced, I, I call 2020 the shock and numb year. We're just shocked at what happened and we kind of go around numb, wondering if we're ever going to wake up from this kind of nightmare that we have in our life. I mean, who would have thought a year ago, just a year ago, that COVID-19 would be what we would be faced with and that we would have social isolation, that we would have global recession, that we would be 
have people that would be major unemployment, it would be school lockdowns, business lockdowns, that we would have had racial division and, 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 and injustice and all the, all, the stuff, all the stuff that we've experienced this year, we would have never experienced. And, and so what does that do? That causes us to hurt. Now I want you to see the big picture. Because one of the characteristics that all leaders have, regardless of country, culture, or time, when people say, what, what do leaders have in common? The only thing I feel that leaders all have in common, all great leaders have one thing in common, and that is that they, they see more than others see and they see before others see. That, that's how you know that they're leaders. They just see more, they see a bigger picture, and it's a timing issue they see before others see. And, and what I see as I look at where we are in the world, where we are in America at this point, what I see is that the, the great damage, the great fallout, obviously the deaths is, is, is tragic, but the great fallout to society and community is that trust has fallen. That there's a lot less trust today than there was. In fact, if you go back and do research on it, in 1964, 70% of the people in America, or 77% of the Americans, they, 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 they trusted in, in, in their institutions and the federal government. And then 30 years later, only 20% trust in, in, in the federal government. I mean, that's, that's what you call a trust fall. But what happens is that if you lose trust in institutions, which is what has happened, the next thing you do is you lose trust in individuals. That trust fall doesn't stop with just institutions. It starts to go to people. And it's interesting, in 2014, 70% of the people believed that, that other people could not be trusted. Now, when you live in a culture with no trust, we're in a challenging time because trust determines behavior. So when you look at behavior of a culture, of a community, it's always based on trust. I travel the world, and I'm in many, many different countries, and it's, it's a fact that countries that do well have a high trust environment, and countries that don't well, do well have a low, low trust environment. That's just a fact. And so trust is essential for behavior to be good. People thrive in a, in a trust environment. So the question that we're faced with today, if we wanna change our world, is, how do we create a trust environment? And how do we become personal agents of creating that trust? So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you four ways to be trustworthy. I'm gonna give you four ways to create an environment of trust so that you can begin to change your world. And what's beautiful about the four things I'm about to give you right now is that every one of you can do this. This is all reachable, this is all doable. Okay? I mean, this is not beyond you. It's not beyond me. The four things I'm going to say to you, you could do. Now, my name's John, and I'm your friend. And I'm a communicator. I'm not an educator. I have an education, but I'm not an educator. Educators take something simple and make it complicated. <laughs> In fact, if you can't understand it, if you can understand it, they're not happy. But I'm a communicator. Communicators take something complicated and make it simple. I put, in my teaching, in my books, I put all the cookies on the lower shelf. I want everybody to have a cookie. It's obvious I've had a few myself. Okay. 
I want everybody, uh, uh, so everything, everything is doable, everything is reachable, everything is simple, everything is, is practical. And the four things I'm going to give you right now, I, you need to begin implementing and practicing your life so you can be a, a, a positive salt and light change agent. Here we go. Number one, value people. Trust begins in a culture when people are valued. And by the, by the, by the words value people, write the word connecting. Because what happens is, this is the connecting link we have with people. Once you feel valued by someone, you feel connected to someone. The valuing of people is the connecting link. And if you follow Jesus in the gospel, people all the time say, I want to be Christ-like. Well, if you want to be Christ-like, if you follow Jesus in the gospel, the thing that you come, the bottom line of Jesus' life while he was on earth is that he valued people. And he valued people, and God values people. God so loved, God so valued the world, okay? Jesus valued people. And the only people that couldn't handle Jesus valuing people were religious people. It bothered them that Jesus ate with the sinners. You know, I mean, they, they talked to him, and he said, don't you understand, I'm like a doctor. I came to see some sick people. I'm, I'm like a shepherd. I go after the lost sheep. They didn't understand. They want him to hang in the pen with the Christians. You, you don't need to hang with Christians all that time. It's not healthy. My name's John. I'm your friend. <laughs> I, I have some good news for you. When you go to heaven for eternity, you get a hang with Christians. So get over it. <laughs> While you're here on earth, you need to have lost friends. Because we're to fulfill the Great Commission. 53% of the people in America will never go to church. They're not coming here. They're not going to any church. I don't care how good your church is. They're not coming. The question is always, what are we going to do with those 53%? Jesus died for them. And that's my whole mission in all of my companies and all my organizations. We, we understand that principle, and so we go after the lost sheep. We, 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 we're continually looking out and, and, and valuing everybody, valuing everybody, I, I, valuing people I like, valuing people I don't like, Value people that are different than me because God values you. And, and God, in fact, look at your neighbor and say, God values you. You go ahead, God values you. That's good. Look at your neighbor and say, God values me. Tell them that. God values me. Oh, I like that. Look at your neighbor and say, God values people I like. Go ahead and tell you them. Yeah. Look at your neighbor and say, God values people I don't like. Oh, there's the challenge. There's the challenge right there. Woo Man, we, we don't mind God valuing people we like. We just aren't sure he should value people that we don't like. And the reason that people don't come to God is not because of God. It's because of us. We give people a wrong picture of God. And if you've got a wrong picture of God, you'll never have a relationship with him. We've messed up the picture. And the picture begins with valuing 
everybody. I have a coaching company. It's only 10 years old, but it's the largest coaching company now in the world. We, we have 39,000 coaches in 170 countries. And we bring them in, we certify them, we equip them to be coaches in life. And it's just been an incredible experience. And we've got them all sizes, all colors, all <clears throat> religions, all cultures. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing experience. And we bring them in for training. <coughs> New ones in for training twice a year. And I spent three hours with him teaching him about John Maxwell team DNA. What, what is it like to be a, a John Maxwell coach? And, and I go through the DNA of the values that we have. And the first thing I teach them is I, I spend a lot of time saying and teaching them, we are people of value who value people and add value to them. That's who we are. That's what we do. And, and, and this is just absolutely incredible. You see, if I see you as weak, I'll help you. If I see you as broken, I'll fix you. But if I see you as valuable, I'll serve you. Oh my. There's a world of difference between helping and fixing people and serving people. And you won't serve people until you value them for who they are. So to create an environment of trust to change your world, it begins with valuing people. Every one of you can do that. Just, it's, just, it's just being Jesus-like. Number two, add value to people. The second thing I do is then I intentionally look into your life and ask myself a simple question, what can I do to add value to you? If valuing people helps you connect with them, Adding value to people helps you to influence them. It increases your influence with other people. So every day, I intentionally do five things. Every day, I value people. Every day, I think of ways to add value to people. Every day, I look for ways to add value to people. Every day, I do things that add value to people. And every day, I encourage others to add value to people. I do that every day. I intentionally live that life because in the morning I ask myself the question, who can I add value to? I asked that in the hotel room this morning as I knew I'd be having some time to talk with you and have a conversation with you. And I asked God, help me to, help me to, how can I add value to you? You're, you I'm here for just a, a, a little time and we're together just for a moment here. How can I add value to you? Every, every morning I ask that question, who am I going to see? So who am I going to add value to? Every evening I look at what I did and I ask myself a very simple question. Did I add value to you? Every day. You see, I, I've written a lot of book on, books on relationships. In fact, actually, one of, the, one of the relationship books I wrote is the one you gave him, actually, on, on 25 ways to win with people. What, what Paul doesn't know is, actually said, you know, I've given him that book, 25 ways to win people, and it's helping him, but he's not there yet. Can you give me some more ways to help him to <laughs> win with people? So. I'm going to do a, a, a part two, actually, and dedicate it to you, and we'll give it to Paul, okay? And just, you know, just hope and pray that, you know, that it, that it connects. <laughs> but I can sum up relationships to you in just basically one phrase. I mean, everything you ever want to know about relationships is just this simple phrase. You are either a plus in people's lives or a minus. 
done. You're, you're, you're either adding value to people or you're taking value from them. You're either a breath of fresh air or you're taking the air out of them. You are. And every one of us know what it's like to be around somebody that sucks air out of us. I mean, you see them come into the room, you go, oh my. Oh my. And then they see you. Oh my. And then they start coming to you. And the closer they get, you start praying. Oh God. Oh God. Help them, help them, help them, God, help them. Help him, God. Help him. Help him. Oh, God. Help me. Help me, God. Help me. Help me. Oh, forget them. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Take me, Jesus. Take me, Jesus. Take me. Take me, Jesus. Take me, Jesus. Oh, no, no. Oh, take them, Jesus. Take them. Take them. Take them. Yeah. How many of you ever hid from somebody? How many of you are hiding from somebody right now? <laughs> Every day, add value to people. Every day, be a plus in people's lives. Number three, every day, live good values. You see, that's the attractive part of a person. A person that lives good values is highly attractive to people that don't have values. Paul talks in Galatians 5, we're at the fruit of the Spirit passage now. He said, the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you, notice that, within you, is divine love in all of its varied expressions. And then he begins to give these expressions of divine love, which is part of the fruit of the Spirit in your life. You talk about being attractive. Look at this. Joy that overflows. Boy, don't you want to be around somebody that has joy that overflows? Here comes somebody just splashing joy, overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, strength of spirit. And then this is the phrase, I don't have time to really teach it right now, I wish I did, but here's the phrase that when we talk of the fruit of the Spirit, this is what's missed all the time by Christians. Never set the law above these qualities for they are meant to be limitless. Paul basically says the values and the spirit and the fruit of the spirit within you is higher than the law. The law is not attractive, but the fruit of the spirit is attractive. Values are attractive. The law is not attractive. The law always comes up short. In fact, the reason we have the New Testament is because the law is insufficient. And the last thing you want to do is share good values. And that's where transformation begins to happen. When you begin to share good values. And, and, and we know how to do that. We know how to do that because we have done it with literally millions of people now. We share good values around a table. We call them transformation tables. It's just literally, it's just literally small groups. And, and we really know how to do that. Because it's in that transformation table 
where people are valued. It's in that transformation table where we add value to people. It's in that transformation table where we're encouraged to live out good values. It's in that transformation table where we share the values that we're learning with each other. It's all of this incredible uh, process that happens in, in, in small groups. I'll come back to that in a moment. In 2001, uh, we faced another crisis in America and it was corporate scandals because all of a sudden corporations were abusing, taking advantage, deceitfully lying to their employees and, and, and companies started to fall right before our eyes. And all I've got to do is say one word and those that are old enough will immediately know where I'm going. The word is Enron. And Enron and other companies, overnight, their stock fell, their companies collapsed, and, and they were really a house of cards. And, and the bottom issue was that there was a lot of, of distrust. In fact, Time Magazine called that year the year of distrust. And so Time Warner, my publisher, called me, and, and I went to New York City, and they asked me, they said, John, we would like for you to write a book on, on business ethics. We looked at all of our authors, and we've chosen you. We think that you could write a book on business ethics. Will you do that for us? And, and I, I surprised them. I said, I said, no. And they said, well, why not? I said, because there's no such thing as business ethics. They said, what do you mean? And they went back and started talking about the corporate scandals again. I listened. I, I got it. I got it. I know. I, I understand. I understand. There's no, just, but there's no such thing as business ethics. And they leaned in, and I got them right where I wanted them. <laughs> I said, there's just ethics. You either have them or you don't. And if you do have them, they work in business. Oh, happy day. And if you don't have them, they don't work in business. They don't work. So they said, well, can you write a book on ethics? I said, I'm not sure because our culture doesn't really appreciate truth. There are a few absolutes. I don't know if I can, but I said, let me work with my research team. Let's see if we can. A month later, I said, I'll do it. I said, I'll write a book based on the golden rule. Treat others as you would like to be treated yourself. You see, every religion has a golden rule. Every culture has a golden rule. And I knew I could cross over to the secular community with this value. And so I did. And it was at that moment that I had this eureka time in my life where I realized that the, the way to connect with the lost world, the way to connect with the, with the secular world is through values. I, 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 don't, I, I don't get to start my virtual teaching tomorrow to all these companies with a worship band. I don't get to use scripture. Are you with me? I've got to connect with them first. You, you've got to find them before you can lead them. But values is the way to find them. And, and we've worked on this and we've practiced this. And so when I wrote the book, Change Your World, you'll see it on the screen. It basically, this is, this is the kind of the beginning of the book. Hope has two beautiful daughters. Their names are anger and courage. Anger at the way things are and courage to see that they do not remain as they are. When I was in school, I was not the top student. I, I didn't go to school for the classes. 
I mean, I went to classes, but that isn't. I went to school for friendships and relationships and sports. And so I, I, it, the classes kind of got in the way. <laughs> but I was a very good leader at a very young age, and so I found four really smart girls, and I gave them assignments of different subjects, and they did my homework for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did. It's, I, I, I showed leadership promise at a very young age. And during study halls, I would go around checking with the girls to make sure they were getting my homework done because I, I had a standard. I insisted my homework be turned in on time and, and done very, very well. If you have a child and you're a little concerned about them, just relax. If you would have known me as a child, you'd have great hope for yours. And so I would be in a classroom and the teacher would ask questions that often I didn't know the answer. And when I didn't know the answer, I certainly didn't want him to call on me because, I mean, I didn't know the answer. So when, when we started in that kind of the teachers asking questions, if I didn't know the answer, I, I, just, I just perfected this so well. And I would just lay back and say, this too shall pass. There were times I, I didn't know the answer, but I thought maybe I did. I wasn't sure. And so I wouldn't slink, I would, but I would just kind of stick my hand up like this. It's kind of like I have my hand in the air, but don't call on me. And I kind of look away and, you know. Teachers could sure tell I didn't know about that one. I mean, they could tell immediately. But there were times, I, a few times, not a lot, but there were a few times I knew the answer. And when I knew the answer, I wanted the teacher to know that I knew the answer. I wanted the classmates to know that I knew the answer. And now I'm up. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this number. on change your world, on connecting with a secular culture, on being able to bring them into Christian faith. Change your world book is this. It's just this. I know the answer. And I'm so excited to share it with you. Because now all of a sudden, <coughs> what I know you're going to know. And, and there are going to be hundreds and then thousands and tens of thousands and then hundreds of thousands and then millions of people that are going to come to faith in Christ because we're going to have a resource. We're going to have a process. We're going to have a way that we can begin to get the good news to them. And it's all based upon, it's all based upon values. You see, values create stability. Values, when you live them, accept them, learn them, values make you bigger on the inside than the outside. They make you better on the inside than the outside. This is huge. And when I'm bigger on the inside than the outside, and I'm better on the inside than I'm on the outside, now I have a strength, I have a stability. I'm solid in my life. 
The flip side is an empty bag doesn't sit up straight. You put an empty bag out in your yard and it'll, it'll, it'll fall over and pretty soon the wind will come and it's all gone. And it, Why? Because it has no substance on the inside. 81% of kids under 30 at least one day a week feel anxious, depressed, lonely, or hopeless. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you right now why social media is such a phenomenon. Social, social media gives kids validation from the outside. Do you like me? And here's my picture. And did you accept it? And do I get a thumbs up? And, and it's all about validation, validation. Let me explain something to you. When you have good values on the inside, you need less validation on the outside. And what we do in countries and classrooms and our, and our values curriculum, in, it's in the classroom. It's not before school. It's not after school. In fact, we put it in the constitution of the countries. I sit in president's offices with secretaries of education and they sign bills that go before Congress that this will be classroom curriculum. It's along with language. It's right along with math. It's not before school. It's not that before school, after school stuff. It only gets to the people you don't want to get to. It's in school. And that's why I'm so passionate. And then these transformation tables, this is where life gets changed. This is where it gets exciting. You see around a table, when people sit around a table, they intuitively ask three questions. And the table answers these questions. So I'm wanting you, please, please hear me very carefully. Because when you get the book, Change Your World, It'll, it'll give you the links to the table. We'll give you the curriculum for the, for the values, training, everything. It's all free. It's all free. You, I, listen, right, every one of you in this room, within a month, can be, have, can be leading and facilitating a transformation table. Every one of you, every one of you, within a one month, can be seeing your world start to change with these values teaching. But when they sit around the table, intuitively, people are asking three questions, and the table answers all three. Question one do you care for me? When you sit around a table with love and care and nurture, it begins to change lives. Question number two, can you help me? That's what the table does. People helping each other, expressing what they've learned, what they're discovering. And question number three, can I trust you? And the table does all three of those things. And so I, I just kind of wrap up my time with you because really my time is up. And I, in fact, I went a little bit longer than I should have and I'm sorry, but it's your fault. <laughs> Honest to God, if you're so good. See, with bad audiences, I stop early. With good audiences, I just want to hang and teach more because you're just like sponges. You're leaning in. You're taking notes. You're so receptive. You're so beautiful. And, and I know why. I know why. Because you were created to make a difference. I, I was having a, a, a studio session. We were with Steve Harvey, who's the funniest guy I know in the world. He's just a wonderful person. And, 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 and so we were doing a whole day studio work on, on communication. It's a digital product. If you go to, again, any of my web stuff, you can find anything you want there. But, 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 but Steve and I were talking, and the cameras were running. We're talking about communication. And all of a sudden, he said something. And even, even if the cameras ran, I said, oops, oops, I got to take notes on this. I can't miss this. And, and because Steve said something that was just amazing. He said, John, 
Your career is what you get paid for. Your calling is what you're made for. And I said, oh my gosh. And your calling, Jesus already established it. Your calling, and my calling is to be salt and light. And I just developed a tool. And if you'll do me a favor, yes, I see it's already on the screen. If you can get the book today, you can literally order it today. And you can have it and you can get started. And we, again, will have an app. At the end of this month, there'll be an app. There'll be a process for you to go through. We'll have people that will help you. In other words, we are, we are starting a transformation movement. We've been doing it in, in, by the way, we have 22 countries in the world where the presidents of the countries have asked us to come in and teach values. We have a line of presidents waiting for us to come. And now... We're going to be able to put something in your hand, something, something that you can read, that you can understand, that you can apply, and then we're going to have free resources for you, and you can just, you can go get you five or six people. You, somebody told me after the first service last night, they said, I know where I'm going to start my transformation table. I'm going to start it with my family. I'm going to start it right in my own home. I thought, what a better place than to start at your home and then, and then branch it out, but we'll teach you how to facilitate these tables. We will equip you to do everything you need. So let me close in prayer. Father, these people are incredible. Thank you for Paul. Thank you for Ashley. Thank you for their leadership. Thank you for the calling. This church over the many, many years, who it's been and what it stood for, salt and light. I pray for us now. Lord, when we hear sermons, there's a tendency now. We go to our car, get in the parking lot, go to brunch, watch football, and forget. Don't let us do that today. Help us to take action on what we have heard. And help us in the next few weeks to have a, have a system, a program, a method, a resource that will allow us to change our Blessings on every person in this room as they become salt and light to a greater degree. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you will fill them and just encourage, empower them to make a difference in their world. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I sure love you. God bless you. Thank you very much.